moment. moment. Of clarity. What's happening, my people? It's your man, Stefan G. And you are tuned in to another eclectic episode of Moment of Clarity right here on the Promise Life Network. Moment of Clarity and today, today's going to be an interesting show because I don't think we really know what we're talking about or what we're supposed to talk about. No idea. Or how Which kind of goes with the theme. It does, doesn't so it? That's what we do. <laughs> we're out of control. <laughs> um, on today's show, we're talking about control and... I'll just tell you the truth. It came up because I accused Tina of not being in control of her life. Because mm-hmm. um, I had this grand master plan to come in here today, corner her <laughs> off by herself before anybody else arrived. And then the lovely Mike showed up. Pastor Mike. Wait, he showed up late, though. A, oh. I got you. I got, a, I got you a little bit. Corner her <laughs> and then accuse her of not being in control of her life and ask her, when are you going to take control of your life? And then she gave me the doe eyes. She was like, blink, blink, blink. I thought I was in control. She was like, what makes you think I'm not in control of my life? I got this. <laughs> and then later on, she was like, well, I guess I guess maybe I'm not. <laughs> are you in control of your life? I'm trying to be. You are? Then Mike, no, then Mike did come in, right? Mm-hmm. So then Mike came in and he said, but is she supposed to be in control of her life? Yeah, I know. I always got to throw in these wrenches. <laughs> I appreciate all your wrenches. <laughs> Definitely. Cool, I mean, That's what she said. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason why I bring that up though is I hear that all the time in Christian circles give take God control, control. Of your give God control yes yeah all the time let God take the wheel it's a song yes Jesus take the wheel yeah yeah I used to think like that too like you know what I'm just gonna wait till God does something and then when he does something that I know I'm supposed to move and I was stuck doing nothing for a very, very long time. <laughs> so I realized like, oh, okay, well, let me just do something. So, so the question then is who's in control? Is God in control? Am I in control? We, I, I I came at Tina because- Sideways, y'all, sideways. I did, I came real sideways. <laughs> but I came at Tina because I was like, when are you going to take control of your life or are you going to continue to just react to the things that are happening in your life? Mm, like you and know my kinda, whole life. She sucked her teeth a little bit. Like that. <laughs> like to, just like that. And so we had to decide, like, where does it sit? So, Tina, since this came on, on your back to begin with, yeah. Um, yeah. Are, are you in control of your life? I think I'm in a stage, which you're probably not going to like the same, so I'm going to get past the mic. Um, I believe I'm in a stage where I am learning how to move with God and learning how to not only move by faith, but also learn how to allow God to change things up when need be. So at was this that, moment. Well, I was going to say, did that used to be hard for you in the past? Yeah. Well, I didn't know that I actually had to move. I thought that God was just going to order my steps. And when he ordered my steps, he'd be like, Tina, come sit down beside me and be like, I'm going to need you to do this, this, and this. So that's how I, that's a legit from like 25 to 27, how I live my life. I was, was just going to wait on God. I just absolutely did nothing. I mean, I was on, luckily I was already in college, so something was going on. <laughs> but um, other than that, it just kind of kept me really stagnant until, like even this year, I learned so much about moving in faith and allowing God to kind of change. Like, I don't want to say the scripture because Stefan always gets on me when I say a scripture wrong. 
but <laughs> I'm gonna give the cliff note version. And it was just like, you know, a man makes the plans of his hearts, but God orders his steps. So we're still supposed to be moving and allow God to change and direct or edit things that we're already doing versus just waiting on him to give us direction, which I'm still learning. It looks like a hot mess right now, but I'm hoping when the dust clears, it looks like a direction's happening. Yeah, no. <laughs> Am I the only? <laughs> well, was, I, I was profound. I was just. Yeah, I think I think that's <laughs> a good way to look at it because there are a lot of people who just sit and wait on God to tell them, or they ask Him everything. God, what should I wear today? God, what should I eat today? God, what should I do? Where should I go? What's it? Jesus, is it okay if I put this shoe on? Is it okay if I tie my shoes now? Is it okay if I walk with these shoes on? Like yeah. so on and so forth. And that's why I was late. I was like, God, should I wear this UCM shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. God, it might rain. Should I wait to see? And so, but what happens is, I think that's okay when you're in a certain part of your Christianity, when you're in a certain level of your Christian maturity. But at some point in time, you have to come to a place where you can make decisions. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, when we're babies, right? Somebody has to tell us to eat and they have to tell us to do everything but breathe, basically. You know, you have to tell them, okay, put these clothes on, walk over here, stand like this, stand up straight, don't slouch, don't make that noise, you know what I'm saying? Make sure you pay attention, watch where you're going before you cross the street, like all of these things. And that can mimic our relationship with Christ when we're in the babes stage of our Christianity, you know? But once we get to a certain level of maturity in Christianity, we should be able to make decisions. Um, and some of those decisions should be able to be made based on what we know of our father and what we know of our savior. You know, I was just, I was just thinking that reminds me of the apostles when the apostles first were in contact with Jesus, when he was physically on earth, he, um, pretty much directed everything they did, directed their steps as they were babes. And eventually he went to heaven and sent the Holy spirit, but the apostles had to make these decisions, but they were more equipped to do so at that time. Right. And I think a lot of times, too, which is just for me personally speaking, is that I allow my emotions to make me think that I'm making right or wrong decisions. Like me being impulsive, I used to think that that was the Holy Spirit leading me. <laughs> like, oh, you are one of those. <laughs> yes. I got this feeling in my spirit that I should go to this mall right now. This sale is uh, calling. Oh, Lord. My name. Let me stop. <laughs> but <laughs> in honesty, I feel like I have allowed a lot of times my emotions or my feelings because they feel so strongly for me to go in that direction versus like really waiting on God to be like, okay, don't move. I feel like it's just such a, to take control, to, to be led by God. It's such a, uh, I think communication and a relationship that you have to have with God to be able to really hear him. Because even if you were to move and then you get to a point where it's just like, God, I know what to do. Like even with Joshua, God, Joshua prayed to God and he had to wait like five to 10 days before God responded to him. So what do you do in that point? Do you allow your emotions to no. outweigh your control? Have you, you just ever, sit still? You don't ever allow your emotions to outweigh your control. And that's one thing, and I've said this to many people. I don't know if I've ever said it on a radio show before. Um, but you definitely, one of the worst things we can do is allow our emotions to control us. You know, because our, and one thing I tell Maya all the time, my daughter, I tell her all the time, you can't allow your emotions to make decisions for you because your emotions always change. They always change. You could be having the worst day in the world, Right like depression and anxiety and just you straight Eeyore all the way through. And you're like, I'm going to kill myself. I got to kill myself, you know, because it's just not worth it anymore. 
And then somebody comes through with a check for $5 million. Whole mood unchanged. And your whole emotional <laughs> stability has changed instantly. Yeah. You know what I mean? True. Like, you might not jump from zero to 100, but you're going to at least get to 45. Definitely the start happening yeah. with $5 million. Yeah. I don't know about you. I'm super Somebody excited. come up and not not a check, a cash. Here's $5 million cash. Look, your emotions mood. now change. <laughs> um, and that's an extreme example, but those things do happen. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I know I've known people who were just going through bad stages in their life, whether it was a divorce or somebody, a loved one passed away or just bad stages in life and something great happened and it changed their emotional standpoint. But because they allowed their emotions to make decisions for them, because they allowed their emotions to control their mind, they weren't able to really receive the good thing that was trying to happen. Yeah, Yeah. I see that all the time. Are you even allowing yourself to take a step back? Because I feel like when life is just constantly happening to you and things are just coming from all angles, it it's easier to just react than to actually step back and kind of evaluate the situation that's going on. Right. So, I mean, that's my struggle. But, oh, it's too much. Okay, we're going to do this. Really? Tell so. us about that. <laughs> that's mm. not fair. So it's the woman in the room that has this struggle. Yeah, tell us about Pastor that. Pastor Mike, you've never struggled with that before? I have, yes. Tell us about kidding. that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but for real. Like, okay. So if I, and honestly, I, I'm starting to think that these are just tests from God to test our strength and our focus. But like, there'll be situations like in one week where I have this going on maybe with my son or I have this going on at work and then I have this going on in my personal life and then I have this going on with my family. And it's, and God is like, hey, I need you to do this. And all of a sudden, and I, again, like I said, I do believe it's test looking back now when you have all these things that are occurring in your life and you feel like, well, I have to handle this. This has to be handled. If I don't handle this, this is going to mess up and this is going to mess up that. And I know God's telling me to do this, but I have to do this. So it, it almost creates a, if you don't gain control over it, it almost creates just like a tsunami in your life. Where you're like, okay, let me quickly handle this and go to the school, volunteer more, you know, put my son in tutoring. And let me go ahead and just call my sister and hang out with her for a couple hours, even though I'm not supposed to be doing this. And now I'm backed up on what God has told me to do because I'm handling everything else that's happening in my life. And at the end of the day, you're out of control. Exactly. And at the end, and that's kind of where my whole coming to you came from. I know. Was the idea of just reacting to everything, everything. that was happening in life as opposed to taking a step back, surveying the landscape, you know what I'm saying? And so really taking time to to see and understand where you are, right? Last week on the show, we talked about the difference between um, actual self and ideal self. And we talked about how you have to know actually where you are in life and you have to understand where you actually are in this place right now and not operate in the where I think I should be or what's supposed to be happening or how I feel space. And so when you're walking in a world out of control like that, you kind of have to step back and you got to let the chaos go for a little while. I even understanding that, you know what, you're like God said, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Not everything you can control. Things are going to get out of alignment. And that's something, again, that I'm trying to learn as well, that when that chaos is happening, you don't. You probably don't have control of these situations. Some of these things you really do need to let go and just let it happen. Right. And so you step back for a little while. You allow the chaos to ensue, not for a long period of time, but just for a little bit. And you really survey the landscape and find out, okay, where are we? Where are we? What are we looking at? And then what do we do to move forward from this place that we are in right now? 
And that, I believe, is the sense of gaining control over one's life. And you do that not only in conjunction, and, in com- and but also in communication with Christ. And so you step back and you say, okay, where are we? Where am I? Where are we, Jesus, together? Don't get overwhelmed. Yeah. And then you look at them. Then you can start to take bite-sized chunks out of your life. You know what I'm saying? Like they say, the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And so you can then start to take bite-sized chunks out of your life. But until you've taken a moment to step back and really survey the landscape, you can't do that. Yes. I mean, that's what I try to tell people to do in most situations. And people don't do it. <laughs> Why do you think we don't do it? Because we don't. We just, we are so, um, everything can feel like such a crisis that we become so impulsive that we have to put this particular fire out right now. You know, and we allow everything to feel like a huge crisis instead of approaching it as what it really is. It, it's And it's like Tina said, it's because it feels like it's immediate. It feels like, for instance, if I've got five things going wrong in my life and thing number six breaks out, well, it feels like this is going to be the one that crushes me. So I've got to take care of at least one of these five to six things or I'm just it's I'm not going to make it or I'm going to break down or I'm not going to whatever. And that feeling is so overwhelming that we don't take time with our minds to really think it through. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was talking with someone about that yesterday, about how there's certain people that that do that. They obsess, they sweat over the small stuff Mm -hmm. instead of taking a step back, like you said, looking at the big picture and getting some perspective in their lives. But it's funny. I don't really know why. They do that. <laughs> That's actually a really good question because I've never been one to really do that. I I mean, me personally speaking, it's not as if people don't want to. It's just the, con- the continuing reminding of yourself that, hey, I have to take that step back. Or, hey, because like, let's say, for example, you talk to me on Saturday. By Tuesday, three to four other things just started to happen. So now, even though you talk to me on Saturday, even though it's great, I took it in, I started it it becomes harder for me to go back to it because now I'm dealing with more and more things that, and it just becomes overwhelming. Like I, I truly believe when you have so much things on your mind, you become forgetful because you can't hold all that things, all that things in, like you can't hold all that space, hold up all that space. That makes sense. You were saying you can't hold all those, those things. All in those limited, thoughts. Right. Yeah. Like this week you gave me an assignment to do last week. Right. And then I got a text message on Monday and I wasn't even able to respond to like three to four other text messages because I had so many other things on my mind. So it's not that we're not trying to listen or we're not trying to do, but when things start to pile up on you. I think I know what it is though, Mike. Good. I was like, when is he going to have the answer? <laughs> yes. What is the answer? I think I know my, what it is. Let me get my pen. Hold on. I think it comes in a one word answer. <laughs> and I think that answer is priorities. Mm. We don't take the time to establish what is actual priorities in our life. And so because we haven't established what is an actual priority in our life and where these things sit on the ranking in our lives, then whenever they come about, we all treat them as a number one priority. We all treat them as a class A emergency. Well, I mean, I understand that, but I still want to know why. (laughs) Why do we treat it as a class A emergency? Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of different reasons for that. I think one, it gives us a sense that we're doing something. Like you feel like you're accomplishing nothing, but you're accomplishing something, but you're really not. You're just going in circles. And so, and it gives us a semblance of having control over our lives, even though we not don't actually have control over our lives. For instance, if I've got seven things breaking out wrong in my life, 
if I am overly consumed with them in my mind, I'm going to feel like I'm going, I've got a hold on this, or I'm at least trying to get a hold on this. If I'm constantly thinking about them, constantly worrying about them, constantly sweating about them, that is in a really, it's a bad way, but it's the way that we all say to ourselves, okay, I've got control over this thing, or I know I've got to handle this, or it's our way of not allowing it to slip, even though it's starting to slip. Does that make sense? So it's fear. Absolutely fear. See, that was the word I was looking for. So what really, is, but <laughs> I mean, when you talk about fear, fear comes from a lack of faith. Yeah, absolutely. Because we are afraid of all. <laughs> Why you turn your microphone off? <laughs> I'm just trying to take this all in. Y'all well, be, you're absolutely right. Because the reason we, the reason everything's a number one priority is because we don't have any trust that it's going to be taken care of. Or, we or just, that we can take care of it. Exactly. Oh. Or if we don't take care of it, it is going to fall apart because they it's need, we're needed for this situation to work out. And I mean, there are certain situations where everything breaks loose at one time and you kind of got to get your arms around it. But if you are actually, if first thing you have to do, okay, let's reset. <laughs> Go ahead, give us step by step. Because one of the first things you have to do is you have to make a decision that you are going to be in control of your life. You have to make the decision in your mind that this is your life. It's the one that God has given you. And while you will do it in conjunction with his counsel and communication with him, it still belongs to you. He gave it to you to live out. And so you are going to be the one that is going to execute this life. You are going to be the one that is going to carry out this life. And therefore, you're going to be the one that's going to be in control of it, good or bad, because you can choose even as a Christian to be in control of your life to sin. You know what I'm saying? And you can choose not to sin, but it's still your choice. And so because we, first of all, don't take ownership of our lives and we don't take a moment to say, this is mine, it belongs to me, and it's going to do what I tell it to do. Mm. Not that I'm going to be subject to whatever it throws at me, but this life is going to do whatever I tell it to do. Because come on, we're elahistic beings. We have the power to create with our words. And so we have the power to create life in this life Or create death in this life, one or the other. And so because so many of us have not taken the time to really grab ownership of our lives, we're always reacting to what's happening next. And it becomes a fearful thing because we're not in control. You know what the next step is then? What's that? Preparation. Absolutely. Mm. We got to put on the full armor of God. Thank you. So when you when you decide <laughs> she over here huffing and puffing. I know she has been doing this all show. <laughs> so you have to make that decision. OK, I'm going to take control of my life. But in order to actually take control of these things and not be afraid of these things, I have to be prepared. And preparation comes through putting on the armor of God. Yep. And all of the steps can and you all the things, tell us the armor of God and please? all of the things that come with it. Didn't we go over this in our show recently? The armor of God? I think we did. I think you should just let the Lord use you past the You already already forgot? I got a lot of things on my mind. Yeah, that's the thing. Life's been happening. Exactly. So put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I just love the way that sounds for some reason. Just the, the, <laughs> it's good. Yeah, the creative. Faces and names started popping up. Yeah, the, <laughs> the creative writer in me loves the word spiritual wickedness in high places. But anyway, 
Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, the breast having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation. I was going to say perspiration. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. uh... Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Did y'all get all of that? Okay, faith, salvation, I got that. (laughs) Spirit, Jesus is with me. So this is what you got to (laughs) do. First of all, you have to take ownership of your life. Okay. Second thing you, you do, decide that you you're going to into battle. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be get prepared for your life, right? And as a Christian, this is your first step of preparation. And we're going to take a break in a second and I'll tell you what the second step of preparation is. But the first step of preparation is you have to recognize you're not struggling against flesh and blood. Mm. You have to recognize that you are fighting against rulers and against authorities and powers of the dark world, spiritual wickedness in high places. You have to recognize that you need to put on the full armor of God and that you need to stand in, in order to stand your ground. And then so you need to have the belt of truth around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness. You need your feet with the gospel. You need the shield of faith. You need the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Mm. Now that sounds like a lot, but that it's really not. It's really not. Uniform. It's really not a lot. <laughs> um, but we'll talk about that when we get back. Moment of Clarity, Stefan G. We'll be back in a second. QB for a team called Jesus. Same game, different side, yeah, we set apart. Uh, go hard in the game now. My white robe accumulate less things now. Less of me, more him, that's the aim now. Live loud for him, never let the name down. I rip the blood stain, vanish, no Want to never miss an episode of Moment of Clarity? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google, or tune in. Moment of clarity, it's your man Stefan G. We're talking about control and who's in control and who's supposed to be in control of our life, your life, my life. And so we start, we talked about first things first, you have to make the decision that this is your life and take ownership of that thing that is your life. And then you have to put on your armor so that you can be ready for the attacks of the enemy. Because listen to me very carefully. If you are a Christian, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in fire. Hallelujah. If you are a Christian, the enemy is going to try to take you off the path. Absolutely. Lots of Christians will be like, oh, he's going to try to take you out. The enemy trying to kill you. He don't want to yeah. kill you necessarily. He just wants you not to do what you're supposed to do. He's trying to kill your purpose. Yeah. He wants to eradicate your purpose. And so he's going to try to get you off track. So he's going to try to throw life at you as much as he possibly can. And life can come to people in many different ways. It can come to you in the form of bad finances. It can come to you in the form of sickness. It can come to you in the form of heartbreak. It can come to you in the form of things breaking down in your home. It can come to you in the form of uh, uh, career problems. It can come to you in the form of uh, bad relationships and 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 family members having problems with you and people speaking bad about you. And it Life can come to you in many different forms. And the enemy is always going to try to send life your way. But when the enemy sends life your way, you have to be prepared with the armor of God. And just to recap what that is, you have to speak in truth because the truth is what girds you up and what keeps you firm. 
You have to speak the truth. You have to have righteousness in place. The breastplate of righteousness was assigned to you when you received Christ into your life. He assigned his righteousness onto your life the minute you said, I do. And so you need to hold on to God's righteousness, not allow the enemy to speak lies into your ear and tell you that you are not righteous, that you, God does not pleased with you, that God does not love you. All of that is a lie because the righteousness of God was implanted on you the minute that you were saved. And then you need to have the gospel all up around your feet because every step you make, you need to make with the gospel in your mind. Right. And I'm going to stop there for a second because I think that is part of the second part of the preparation. And so Mike was talking earlier about, I know I switched, shifted all out of preacher mode and back into radio. I was radio just about mode. to say, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Pastor. And so Mike was talking earlier about uh, us having fear and having a lack of faith. And one of the reasons that we have fear and one of the reasons that we have a lack of faith and one of the reasons that causes us to allow our emotions to control our lives is because we don't know what the gospel actually says. We have not taken the time to discern the word and divide the truth and find out exactly what does the Bible say. We listen to preacher after preacher. We listen to sermon after sermon. We go to workshops and conferences and we sing, holy thou art the Lord. And we don't take the time to actually find out what does the Bible say. And that is one of the reasons we don't have any faith. I think it's more along the lines of just renewing your mind in God on an everyday basis because that's the people who know scripture day in and day out and still struggle no, with you, the same. Okay, so I'm glad you said that because I'm not speaking about knowing what the scripture says in your head. I'm speaking about receiving the scripture in your heart as the truth. Mm, okay. okay. Receiving it in your heart as the truth because you can read the scripture that says God is good, right? And all the attributes of his goodness and still not believe that he's good in your life mm. because of all the hell that's breaking loose in your life. And so inside your heart, you're questioning God's goodness because you have not received what the Bible says as truth. And how do you do that? Choice. You choose. So when situations come up, you choose to, to believe. believe. Well, okay. You choose to believe that despite what my circumstances and situations are attempting to tell it. me, I choose to believe what the word of God says, which is that God is good all the time. And all the time. Say it again, daughter. God is good. <laughs> Man, this segment got real preachy. <laughs> it's fun. He came straight in. And so I choose to believe in the goodness of God. I choose to believe that all things work out together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And then not only do I choose to believe it, I take the time to figure out what it means to be loved by the Lord. Um, I choose to find out what it means to be called according to his purpose. I choose to find out what it means to love the Lord so that I can really get an understanding of that scripture. Because it's easy to say all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so then you go in the Bible and the Bible will tell you what it means to love the Lord. Trust in the Lord and he will cast, you know, cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. But you didn't read the verse before that says humble yourself. That's right. So we're taking parts of the scripture as well and we're using out of context, which is something I did for a long time. Cause I'll just be like the crown of the wise is the oh, one. God. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let me so, my scripture. Look. <laughs> and so we have to find ourselves in the gospel in order to have less fear in order to have faith in the fact that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. You have to figure out what he said he's going to do. And then the rest is on you. 
because it's your life and he gave it to you to carry out and act out. He's going to give you a purpose. He's going to give you gifts in order to carry out that purpose. And he's going to give you a roadmap and a strategy. But the rest is on you. Can I say that? Um, it's amazing how powerful the gospel is, by the way, because there are so many things in life where I'm like, you know, here it is in the Bible. It addresses this. Absolutely. <laughs> I love those moments. And that so that way. moves us into the next thing in the armor of God, which is taking up the shield of faith. Which does what? Extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So whenever life is thrown at you, those flaming arrows are thrown your way. The shield of faith, which is bound in the gospel, mm. is what extinguishes those fire darts. So do- using the darts. word of the Lord over against your situation. Which goes back to you know one thing we said earlier, talking about why we have to feel like we have to, we have to, we feel like we have to stop each arrow individually. Right. Basically. <sighs> And that comes from fear mm-hmm. <laughs> and fear comes from a lack of faith. Well, if you have the shield of faith, you put that up and it extinguishes all of them exactly. at once. And so you want the armor of God. Now, the next step after you have the armor of God and the armor of God is not something you just throw on and you got it, but you throw it on. It's something that is a continuing project. Basically, you're always going to be finding yourself in the armor of God and developing the armor of God around you. And so once you've done that, the other thing you have to do is you have to study your own life. Um, Back to this one. This has been a common theme on this show. Absolutely. So if you're taking ownership of your life, right, then you need to find yourself in the word of God and discover your purpose. What am I here for? And once you've discovered the reason for your existence, you need to study your life and determine, okay, where am I? What do I want to do? How do I get to the place that I want to go? You have to set a place that you want to go and determine how do you get to the place that you want to go. And in communication, and as I always say, in conjunction and in communication with Christ. Okay, Jesus, this is what I want to do. This is where I believe that you're leading me. Talk to me. Let's talk about this, God. What does this look like? Let's find something in the word. Let's go into the Bible. What does it look like? What the it does say that uh, man makes the plans and God direct orders his steps. That's my cliff note version for the record because y'all know it all the way to save. <laughs> Stephon be getting on me about scriptures. But a man makes the plans of his heart and the Lord orders his steps. So it's not to say that we aren't supposed to make the plan. We're just supposed to submit our plan underneath God. Absolutely. So it's, but what you're saying in a sense of like, all right, God, so here's the plan. Tell me what to do next. And a lot of times God is just like, just move. Well, and here's the other part. And this is where the communication aspect comes in so heavily. So we talked about being babes in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about as a baby, you tell everybody what to do all the time. You tell the baby what to do every single time. And so we approach God the same way. Okay, Jesus, this is what I want to do. What do you say? And what do I do? And where do I go? And who do I talk to? Blah, blah, blah. Right. But there comes a time in a child's life where they mature to a spot where they don't have to ask you all the time anymore. They know their parent well enough to know whether their parent would approve or disapprove of whatever it is they're doing. Every parent, every child in the world can look at their parent and say, oh, I know what my dad's going to do if I say this. Or I know what my dad's going to do if I act like that. Or I know what my mom's going to do if I so and so and so and so. That's not pleasing in their sight. And that becomes a relationship. And so not even just what's pleasing and what's not pleasing, because I don't want to get into the world of right and wrong, but also just in the sake of if I tell my mother I want to drop out of college and go backpack across Europe, I know how she's going to respond. 
I know that she's going to think that's good for me, not good for me. I know she's going to give me some type of because I know my parent. And in the same way, we need to know Jesus. We need to know Christ. We need to know God. We need to know the Holy Spirit in the same fashion that we would then know how they're going to respond to what we want to do. Understanding ourselves, understanding our intentions, what's motivating us to do this thing, what's motivating me to shoot my shot Mm. and understanding my motivations. (laughs) And if my motivations are pure or impure. Yeah, I called you out straight out. (laughs) Fourteen, and she she's looked like a pouting child this whole show. Yeah, she has. <laughs> yeah, just. But understanding if our motivations are pure or impure, it's and what we're pure. doing this for, <laughs> then we can make a a good decision on whether this is something I should do or not. And knowing that if we've evaluated ourselves in that way, then God is going to support what we're doing because what we're doing, number one, lines up with the gift that He's given us, lines up with the purpose that He's proclaimed over our lives, lines up with our intentions and our pure the pureness or impureness of our intentions, and goes out to accomplish that thing that He's called us to accomplish. So I don't have to ask Him for every step and every direction and every way and every reason because I understand Him to an extent. I don't know, you know, God is past finding out, but I know Him. Personally, we have a relationship, so I know how he's going to respond. Well, sometimes God doesn't speak. He just wants you to move. Yeah. And then, like, you have to go back to the last thing God told you as well. Because there's times people are like, okay, well, uh, I'm going to move in this direction because God said this is my purpose and this is in alignment with my purpose. But that may not mean you need to stay in Florida. Just an example. That may mean you need to move to Tennessee because that's going to further align your purpose. And oftentimes it could be a situation where God is waiting on you to have the faith and the courage to make the move on your own. And he will guide your steps. So a man, as a man makes a, a plans in his heart, the Lord would direct his steps. So if it's not the wrong, right move, God will lead you back to where you need to be. And here's the, and I'm glad you said that because we also can't operate in a space where we expect to never fail. Right. Ugh, I hate failure. We can't operate in a space where we expect, cause a lot of people do this. I did it for a very long time. And I still sometimes do it where I operate in a space where I feel like, well, if I ask God and he says yes, then it's going to be successful no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I either don't move because I'm waiting on God to say something or I, I turn back into asking him everything because I don't want to fail at anything. And well, we want his our steps to succeed. And if you but that's not God, part of life. You are abandoning one of the beauties of life if you never fail. Failure is a beautiful part of life. Turmoil is a beautiful part of life. Hurt is a beautiful part of life. Despair is a beautiful part of life. We cannot only want the good of life and not experience the bad of life because the bad of life is beneficial to us in the same way that the good is. Yeah, I mean, Paul says we should be rejoicing in our persecutions. Yeah. How many business people will tell you some of the most important lessons they ever learned were based off their failures? are the greatest things that happen after their failures are yeah. from it. So, I mean, I would agree. It doesn't mean that failure just still doesn't have that sucky feeling to it. But that's, and that's kind of what I'm saying though. We need to embrace the sucky feeling, embrace the sucky feeling, embrace the part of life that you might not be so excited about because it's also a part of life. And so if we go through life wanting everything to be successful and not wanting anything to fail, that turns us into the, okay, God, am I going to turn left or am I going to turn right? And then when he doesn't answer and we turn left and it doesn't work out the way we want it to work out. Does that mean that we're bad stewards of our life if it doesn't work out the way we want it to? Uh, uh, 
(laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was uh, reading something. I'll say that again. Repeat that. Does that make us bad stewards of our life if it doesn't come out the way we that we wanted it to? Like this is about taking control over your life. So if I took a control of my life to a certain extent, to a certain extent, and it ends up backfiring or it doesn't go the way it's supposed to, and I end up in failure or turmoil. Does that mean? Well, what does that, that mean? It doesn't go the way it's supposed to. Maybe it was supposed to go that way. Maybe failure was inevitable. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. But if failure does maybe happen, maybe that was what was supposed to happen, even though it wasn't exactly what you wanted it. How that's not exactly how you wanted it to happen. Maybe that's how it was supposed to happen. So failure was a part of the walk. Yeah. That. I mean, that's what he's been saying for the last like ten minutes. I think. I really didn't catch all that. (laughs) (laughs) Failure is always a part of our lives. It's always a part of our walk. We were speaking on like just control. Yeah. And if control, so like let's say for example, we do take control over our lives and we make decisions and those decisions end up failing. Does that mean we became bad stewards over our life? Not at all. It just means you just got to reroute and keep going again. Absolutely. Because if you believe Asking what the, for a friend. if you believe what the word says, which is that all things work, work together, together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, you better let the Lord use you. Then it doesn't matter if it fails or if it doesn't it's fail. That scripture is just hidden at me. You have to find that place in your space. Find the place in your space, wherever space you're in right now. Find the place where you can take that thing and move it forward. And so. We, as a people, we can't allow life to happen to us. But it does. But that doesn't mean we allow it to. Do you want some words of encouragement, though, through it all? Ultimate words of encouragement? Yes, the people would want some words of encouragement. (laughs) I feel like you need some. This is a Tina show. I'm joking. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I mean, the ultimate words of encouragement is you have the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Through it all. She didn't like that. That wasn't good enough. I can see it. I mean, I got peace that surpasses all understanding, too. So, I mean, that works, too, because the Holy Spirit's giving me the peace. Well, yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit gives you, according to the Bible, I'm reading the scripture now from Galatians, Mm -hmm. love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. I don't really struggle with self-control. (laughs) Uh uh-huh okay (laughs) that's what you got out of this show (laughs) (laughs) like but i receive it i receive it all but yeah so in in the grand scheme of things we are to be for lack of a better way of saying it in control of our lives now we're not to be control freaks over our lives because that's a whole different topic a whole different story what as you were saying, <laughs> you can't turn on a mic and then say something. Yeah, oh, nobody saying, can hear you. Oh, you're right. Sorry. I was just saying that made sense to what he just said because I just caught that. It was a little delayed. Oh, okay. but I'm sorry, Carrie. I didn't want to interrupt what you were saying. It was, it was amazing. Continue. Right. It was so riveting. I was receiving it. Spirit felt filled. So we don't want to be control freaks over our life because that's a whole different topic, whole different show. So you don't want to become a control freak, but do, you do want to main sense, maintain a sense of control over your life. You want to make sure that because it is your life that you are touting the direction that it's going to, even if the direction is just the direction God told you to ter- take it into, right? If God says, go to North Carolina, then go to North Carolina. Ooh, it's about it. it's about how you get to North Carolina and when you leave for North Carolina and where you go on your way to North Carolina and all that kind of things, but go to North Carolina. 
it's still you taking control and saying, I choose to go in the direction that the Lord has told me to go in. And you're not going to know what's going to happen, everything that's going to happen, but you're going to be prepared. Right. When you go into battle, you definitely don't know everything that's going to happen. The being successful in battle comes from preparation. Exactly. Putting the armor of God. Otherwise, life will take you out and you won't be in control and you won't be ready for the opportunities that God has for you because all you're doing is extinguishing fiery darts. You're or like we say, putting out fires. I try to have the power within yourself. I think a lot of times. Well, again, I guess I'm just speaking for me. Uh, I think a lot of times you try to we feel like we can fight our own battles. Oh, yeah. I have the strength within me to handle this. When if you give it to God, you can focus on what God actually has for you. Well, here's the thing. You have the strength within you, but the strength within you is called the Holy Spirit. You have the strength of Christ that is within you. And so the problem is we try to utilize our own fleshly strength instead of utilizing the spiritual strength that is sitting on the inside of us. Mm, That's good. Because God is in you. Isn't that what the Bible said? Christ in me? Yep. So he's in, like, in me, like, legitimately, literally in me. How often do we tap into this abundant resource that sits on the inside of us? Amen. Like, if you got problems in life right now, take a step back, consult with the Holy Spirit, and figure out how to take care of those problems one by one. They won't consume you. He's already said they won't utterly consume you. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yep. I can't remember where. (laughs) <laughs> but it says that. <laughs> but I know it says that. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> He's looking it up now. <laughs> I agree with you. I don't know exactly where, but I know it says it. Just believe us. Take our word. Just take- <laughs> you found my weakness. Remembering where everything is. Oh, that's funny. So how can we this week challenge ourselves to take control over our lives? I think it'll be good if we can all find on, a way to. All you got to do is put on the armor. Yeah. Take the steps. All the steps that we just outlined. Take the steps. So first you got to go back and listen to the show again. Ah, uh, yes. Absolutely. And then write With down the steps. With my pen and my paper. <laughs> and then take those steps. Yeah. Because the, the very first step is deciding to take ownership of your life. That's where you have to start. I was talking about the audience, but yeah, we can talk about me. Well, you said, where can we? How can we challenge I, ourselves? Right. We. Oh, you mean how can they challenge themselves? Well, how can we stay the challenge for ourselves like they can do as well for themselves? Right. So that way we're all we're not just saying what you should do, but we're actually putting something forth, like giving you a challenge so that you can implement the things that we're saying to you. Okay. So how about this? Mm-hmm. Everybody in these studios. I was going to say this studio, but I know Mike. <laughs> Dang it, I almost got out of it. <laughs> Everybody in these studios and everyone listening, I would challenge you to create, first of all, outline what's attacking you, what's attacking your life. And Ooh, then, that's, that's a good, good one. Yeah. yeah, because then some of the things that you think might be attacking your life aren't really there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So write down what do you think are all of the things that are making life happen to you instead of you making life happen. And a lot of them, I know for a lot of people, a lot of it is going to be money. I don't have enough money for this. I don't have enough money for that. I got more month than I have money. Well, what have you done to figure out how to get more money in your life? Legally. Or have you just sat around? <laughs> exactly. Or have you just sat around complaining about how you don't have enough and allowing it to wipe out what God's purpose is for you in your life and using it as an excuse? Mm. 
So either you're one, going to find a way to make more money, or you're going to two, carry out God's purpose despite how much money you have. Oh, man. I know, right? Can't we just go back to the first one? Nope. It sounded so much better. (laughs) (laughs) You can pick which one you want. You can pick which one you want. Oh, so we can choose. Absolutely. Your whole life is full of choice. Option one, please. (laughs) So you're going to figure out how to make more money. Do a little bit of both, maybe. Wait, just a minute ago, you said you only wanted number one. I can't do everything just pleases myself, okay? <laughs> I must but, lay aside. But legit, like, the first thing we have to do is let's write down what we think is causing us trouble. What is be, what is life throwing at us that we haven't been able to handle? What is the problem that we think? What is the obstacle that is keeping us from achieving God's purpose in our life? And define that obstacle. And not all, and only once you've defined what that obstacle is, can you take measures to overcoming that obstacle. That's good. That is. So I think number one, there's two things I want everyone listening to do and all of us to do is number one, write down and outline. What is it? What is the obstacle that's keeping us from the place that we want to be? Right. And we can have another show. And I'm sure we've had a show in the past that first determining where you want to be, if, if that's where you should be. But we'll talk about that later. First off, keep what's keeping us from where we want to be and where God's telling us to go to. And number two, what are we going to do about it? Hmm. That's good stuff. You know what? You keep letting the Lord use you, sir. What can I say? Listen, check us out every single week right here. Moment of Clarity on the Promise Life Network as well. Go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. Five stars, five stars, five stars, five stars only. If you want to leave a four-star rating, then hit us up on Facebook and tell us what's bad about the show. Tell Stefan what's bad about the show. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how we can be better. Facebook.com slash Radio. Check us out on Instagram at Radio. And don't forget to donate to Tina's philanthropic efforts. Cash app Fellowship 407. Uh, to donate to what Tina's doing to make a better place in the world. Yes, and we will be showing proof of making a better place. Absolutely. Moment of Clarity, Stefan G. Check y'all next week. Later.